Uh, if you're you know, if you're new with us, man, we're so glad you're here. We want you to just just sit back and relax and enjoy being in the Lord's house with us and being part of this family this morning and just receive of what God has to offer. But uh, I'll share with you a couple things that are going on. Our groups for a season has been happening and they've been rolling and going. And um, you may think, well, I'm a little too late to get into groups this season. They've been going two or three weeks. Not the case. We would love to plug you into a small group here on Sunday mornings when there's a crowd this size. It's hard to connect on the level that a small group can allow. So we'd really encourage you to plug into one of our small groups. You can simply on the, the little card that's in front of you in the chair back, just write your name, write small group, and we'll connect you. Um, coming up soon, as part of our Overcome series that we're working through, this is the second week of that series, uh, one of the things that, uh, that we really felt we needed to offer here is an opportunity to overcome financial fears. And so uh, we're doing a free financial freedom workshop for you. And so this is just a great opportunity to come and hear the biblical principles of how we manage our money, spend our money, and all that kind of stuff. Um, that is on October 29th. It's from 9 to new. It's free. We're, we're offering it for you. Really take advantage of this, and uh, it's a great opportunity that day. Um, you can register at our website at uh, wendoverhills.org. Uh, baptism is coming up October 30th. One of my favorite services we do, it's when we take somebody who has surrendered to Christ, and they want to stand before you, or or get dunked before you, and really they want to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and I want to proclaim that in front of my Christian family, and so uh, baptism is October 30th. If you're a believer, if you have a commitment to Christ and you've never been baptized, maybe as an infant you were, you were dunked or sprinkled and that kind of thing, but if as a believer you've never been baptized, this is your Sunday. We would love on the card if you would just write baptism, and I'll connect with you, and uh, we'll have you uh, set up to go. And then finally, our community Thanksgiving dinner uh, is coming up on November 19th. Opportunity to serve our community. Uh, come, and you can serve, and you can sit and eat with people you don't know and get to know them. It's all service that day. And so uh, tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, you're going to get an email with a bunch of details and ways just ways one, two, three, four, five that you can plug in. You just simply circle one of those numbers and then you jump in and plug in uh, that way. That'll be coming tomorrow, so check your email. If you've not been receiving the emails here at Wendover, which we send out weekly, just take that card like I, I discussed and write your email on there and we'll be happy to add you to that list. If you're brand new with us, we'd love for you to take that card as well. Just fill it out and tell us a little bit about you and how we can, uh, how we can contact you and we'd love to tell you a little bit more about the church. So final thing I want to tell you just to be in prayer on is uh, Chris Hollifield, who's a, a young man who's been coming for about three or four months uh, with us, pretty, pretty regular. He uh, had a bad seizure last night. He went into the ER. He's still there. They found what they're just calling something at this point, and they've scheduled an MRI, and we don't know quite what that entails, but he's still uh, there at Moses Cone. So if you'd be keeping him in your prayer, and I will update you by email on, on what's going on as well. Well, we're walking through this series called Overcome, and last week we started the series Overcoming Adversity, and wouldn't you know, uh, some adversity would fly up uh, last week uh, over the course of the seven days in many different ways. I sent out an email this week that highlighted about four things. I got about five emails back from you adding to the list. Um, but you know what I was most encouraged about was the way you handled adversity this week, wanting to honor God, wanting to maintain an attitude of joy, uh, great testimonies. And so I just filed those away because there will be numerous opportunity for you to be able to share your testimony of what God did uh, in that time. So this week we're talking about pride, 
Overcoming Pride. Uh, you should have picked up a, a little note as you walked in. During this series, we'll be supplying those for you. Uh, if you didn't get those, just slip up your hand and, and uh, we'll have an usher grab them for you right now. And uh, they'll get them to you as we start. Talking about pride. If you truly want to be great, then the direction you must go is down. That's what we're talking about today. If you truly want to be great, the direction you need to go is down. And yet in the eyes of the world, today, the word down is reserved for, is reserved for losers and cowards. It's a word today we try to avoid and ignore. It really taints everything it touches. Like, think of the word down. Down and out. Downfall. Downcast. Downscale. Downhill. Downhearted. If it, that wasn't enough, the opposite of the word down is, is up. And up in this fast-paced culture is a word that comes to be cherished. It's the word that's adored. It's a word that is reserved for winners and for heroes. It's admired and pursued. Think of the word up, upscale, up-and-coming, upwardly mobile, upper class. Clearly in the eyes of the world, up is the direction of greatness. It's the only way to go. And yet few Christians have grabbed on and understood and come to grips with the concept of downward mobility. In fact, if we're not careful today, as American Christians, we can confuse faith with a list of self-indulgences. We really can. I know that's hard to understand today as we're talking about overcoming pride, but Philippians chapter 2, it makes it clear that moving down is really the only way that will ever be great in the eyes of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Now every week we supply it for you on the screen, but our encouragement is that you would open up your own Word of God in your lap and walk through it. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Philippians chapter 2. As I said, if you don't, it'll be up on the screen. For me, this is one of the greatest passages in the Bible because it teaches us how to be like Jesus Christ. It says it plain and clear in the passage. Philippians chapter two, we're going to start in verse 3. Here's what it says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. We're talking about overcoming pride. That's where you start. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. How do we do that? Your attitude should be the same of that of Christ Jesus. Well, what was his attitude? Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Doesn't get any lower than that. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Now let's stop right there for a minute. It's interesting today that corporations will spend millions of dollars to do one thing, to get their name out. And if we're not careful, often we become very enamored with those names and press. Names of clothes, fashion, automobiles, on and on and on, restaurants, music. We're always impressed with names. But the most important name is the name of Jesus. Because God has given Jesus the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus' path to greatness was not a typical one. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus came down into the world. 
He came from the very top. He was equal with God. He was the ultimate object of praise in the universe. And yet he voluntarily gave up his divine perks. The Son of God was born in a place where cattle hang out. That's our God. Once life began on earth, though, Jesus never stopped descending. He was the owner of all things, yet he had no home. He was the king of kings, yet he was a bond servant. He was a source of truth, yet he was tried for blasphemy. He was the creator of the world, yet he was spit on by his creations. And he was the giver of life, yet his life was taken from him on the cross. And with his death on the cross, his descent was complete. You can't get any lower than that. From the world's perspective, the cross was an object and a symbol of weakness. Yet in God's eyes, it was a symbol of strength. It allowed Jesus to become the greatest of the great. Because of Jesus' downward mobility, God exalted him and he gave him the name that is above all names. It sounds ironic, but Jesus descended into greatness. Doesn't match up with the way we think in our world today. So how do you overcome pride? How do we do what Jesus did? Because verse 5 tells us that our attitude should be the same of that of Christ Jesus. We have to have his attitude instead of the attitude of the world. What is the attitude of the world? The attitude of the world is push your own agenda at the expense of others. Jesus' attitude is seek God's purposes rather than seeking your own. You see, the world says the goal of life is for you to arrive at the top with enough money and power, possession, so that you can relax for the rest of your life in self-indulgence. And that's why God has a problem with the world's way. That's why he has a problem with the world's approach to greatness, because he knows that it begins with pride, it leads to self-indulgence, and in the end, it gives destruction. So God, in God's dictionary, up leads to down, and down leads to up. The Bible puts it this way, humble yourself before God, and he will lift you up. Overcoming pride's not easy. Any of you out there deal with pride? Any of you struggle with it? Thanks for being honest, you guys. Any of you struggle with humility? You're too humble? Yeah, that's reverse psychology there. So you revealed your pride. Uh, yeah. I struggle with pride. struggle with pride constantly. C.S. Lewis once said, Pride is the utmost sin that all other sins are pale in comparison. Think of the synonyms for pride. Look it up. They're not pretty. Egotism, vanity, arrogance, conceit. Pride is puffed up, stiff-necked, and stuck up. That's pride. Pride puts a me-first spin on everything in life. We say things like this. Listen to these. I'm not proud. I'm just self-confident. I'm not angry, I'm just emotional. I'm not envious, I just want what's coming to me. I'm not slothful, I'm just laid back. I'm not lustful, I'm just a red-blooded male. I'm not greedy, I just like nice things. Do you know what pride really says? Pride says, I can be like God. I can make my own decisions. I can make my own rules, I can live by my own standards, and I will determine my own consequences. Wow. That sounds like present day, doesn't it? From the words of God. So how do you, uh, how do you know if you even have a problem with pride? Let me share a couple things with you. You can follow along by filling in blanks on your sheet. First of all, pride keeps us from being honest with others. Keeps us from being honest with others. 
In pride, we find it difficult to lay aside our own interests, right? What did the scripture say? It says, don't look to your own interests, look to the interests of others. Because pride causes us to look at our own interests, because I'm at the center of the world. Makes sense, right? I want what's best for me. I don't want, I don't want uh, what God's interest, and I put my interests ahead of God's interests. Nothing wrong with having my interests. The problem comes when we put our interests ahead of God's interests. Pride makes us do things out of selfish ambition. Have you ever noticed that? We like to sweet talk our way to the top. We become obsessed with getting our own advantage. You ever fall into that trap sometimes? Sometimes over at the Little League complex where I coach at, a coach will kind of joke and ask, hey, did you forget to call your number 12 player this week? Usually number 12 is referring to the weakest player on your team or the least talented. And the other coach might jokingly respond, yeah, I was tempted. Tempted to call the least player or not call the least player so their team could be a little bit stronger. Why? Better team. Obsession for an advantage. Sadly, this type of joking, this thinking, it often moves from joking into the way we live our lives. Pride. And we... And also, it leads us to where we, we start to find we have a sense of entitlement. You ever felt that? This is a characteristic that's often said to describe the young generation. We love to say that, right? That, oh, that young generation. They're just full of pride and self-entitlement. It's most prevalent during the teenage years of development. You know those years when teens start to push against the standards that are set by their parents and other authority figures? The movie Footloose was just released, a remake of of a of, well, it was out when I was alive. I will take it, uh, but uh, a little young for me to latch onto. Um, the premise is pushing, pushing against, and that's that's what we do here. In a real way, what the teens are saying is, "I know better." And think about when we know better, we develop a sense of "I am better," and entitlement always follows. I should have because I'm at a higher level. Problem is, this isn't just found in teens now, is it? It hits us all. From feeling like we deserve a new car or a vacation or for somebody to serve us in the way that we expect to be served, entitlement. It can sneak up on us quickly when we're, consuming our, we're consumed with ourselves and not others. Proverbs 18.12 says this, Before his fall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. What's the problem with, with pride? If we're infected with pride, we can never become like Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? If we're infected with pride, we never can become like Jesus Christ. You know why? Because you'll never face up to the areas of your life that you need to change. I don't need help. Everything's fine. I don't need a God. We're blinded by our own spiritual inadequacies in pride. We have to remove pride so we can see that no matter how successful we are in the world's eyes, we need God in our life every day. So pride keeps us from being honest with others. Secondly, it keeps us from developing relationships with others. Why is this? Because we tend to focus on ourselves instead of meeting the needs of other people. We have the opportunity to meet the needs of others just about every single day in our lives. We can develop this serve me mentality instead of a serve other mentality, and pride answers the question, are you making a difference? In a pretty negative way. That's pride. Because of pride, we're afraid to be honest with others. 
In pride, we would rather have others admire the self we pretend to be instead of love the self we really are. I want to repeat that. You see, many times when we live our lives, we live it in a fake way, and we would rather have people admire the self we pretend to be rather than love the self that we really are. Sociologist Erwin Goldman says this, society is nothing more than a complex job of con, or a complex system of con jobs. I kind of found that a little humorous when I, I read it. The first of all, a complex system of con jobs. He says, if we're not careful, we think life is nothing more than a system of con jobs in which we try to convince each other that we're something we are not. That's pretty true in our culture today, isn't it? Is that pretty true? We tend, to, we tend to spend all kinds of money to buy things to impress people that we don't really even like. That's a con job. And Goldman says, pride can make us those con artists. So how do we, what do we do to keep from being this? We've got to really be honest with who you are in Jesus Christ. You being a child of God is enough. It's enough. You don't need to let people define you by how much money you make or what your job title is where you live, how big is the house. When we do this, we're not living for what we call the audience of one, living for Christ, living to please him. We let pride take over. In other words, we don't have to fake it to impress. We really don't. God has already designed in us. We also use people to make us look better. You ever done that? Use somebody else to make yourself look better? It goes something around the dinner table when you're chatting or talking, you know, where you speak about how somebody else is not quite measuring up or not quite doing well or they don't look well. Or um, Usually when we say those things, we are elevating ourselves. Pride does that. We're enamored with success, so we use people as long as it gets us where we think we need to go. You have to understand the difference between pride and humility. Humility causes you to love people. Pride causes you to sell to people. My friends uh, Hayden and Justin Hicks, Hayden over here, they run a car lot here in town, just around the corner. And uh, if they chose to run their lot from a pride perspective, they would tell customers whatever they needed to hear so that they could make a sale. Because their focus would be what another sale would make them look like. More money, more successful, bigger lot maybe. But if they choose to run their business out of humility, which I've spent enough time with them to know they do, then they would serve the customer. They would try to get the customer connected with the automobile that best fit them and fit their finances. Then they'd tithe to the Lord and they would just trust God to provide for them. That's what they do. That's what pride does. That that's what humility does. When you love people, you're concerned with helping them reach their goals and their dream. This simply can't happen with pride. When pride dictates. Another problem that pride brings to our relationship is with their children. Maybe you've never thought of this with your kids. Um, why do we tend to use our children to make ourselves look better? Have you ever done this? Where you've gotten a conversation and it goes from sharing about what your kids are doing to bragging about what your kids are doing so that they'll look better of you. Man, you've parented really well. <laughs> Nothing wrong with parenting well. We hope sometimes that it'll elevate us. That's why moms and dads, sometimes we go so overboard. We get so out of balance sometimes, wanting our kids to excel like academically and athletically, musically, socially, and our schedules just run rampant with these type of things. 
Why often do our parents, us as parents, want our kids to be so successful? You know, sadly, sometimes it's because it makes us look successful as parents as well. Nothing wrong with success for our kids. I desire it for mine as well. But the motive behind us can draw us to God or it can draw us to ourselves. So pride keeps us from being honest with others. It keeps us from developing good relationships. And thirdly, maybe most importantly, pride keeps us from God. It really does. Psalm 138.6 says it this way, Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Did you catch that? The pride he knows from afar. Well, I mean, to me, in my raven paraphrase, it says God wants to hang out with humble people, and he wants to get as far away from prideful people as he can. Hosea 13 says it this way, When I feed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. That doesn't just sound like the nation of Israel. It sounds like the nation of America as well. It wasn't but a few years ago people were really not going to church, weren't seeking God. Why? Because we were well fed up to a few years back. I mean, things were really great. Real estate market was, was pumping along pretty good. Stock market looked great, right? We were living a pretty good life. And then, bam, there it was. And it changed. And now many have said, I need God. We've realized that our wealth and our pride, we forgot God. That's what happens often. It's our ego. You may have heard this said. I didn't create this. Ego is simply edging God out. Edging God out when we have an ego. Now here's the thing with this pride business. It's such a big deal. Because in pride, we act like we have no need for God at all. We end up living our lives as God doesn't really matter. Now verbally, we never do this. We continue verbally in our lives saying God is number one. We might even catch ourselves sometimes where we say something like, well, the most important things in my life, you know, my my family, my job, I mean, God, my family, my job. We kind of catch ourselves on those type of things. But in reality, God doesn't show up daily. Now, we didn't mean for this to happen, but we often get to the place where we dismiss God or we disregard God because we just no longer have room for him in our lives. 93% of people believe in God. 71 say they pray on some occasion. Yet only 21% of people are regularly active in church gatherings. The reason pride often, our lives, our schedules, our lack of interest, even our families sometimes, and family time comes before our relationship with God, and therefore God's blessing is far from us. All right, enough about the bad news. Let's get on to talking about how do we overcome this? How do we overcome this pride? That's our application question for the morning. Take a look at this scripture. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. I didn't make it up. That's God's word right there. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring health or wealth, honor, and life. Say it out loud with me, would you? Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. You've got it, a principle to live by. Most of us go through life when we're looking for wealth and honor and life, but we don't do it by trying to be humble. The passage this morning is saying we start, the beginning to this is when we go down. So how do you overcome pride? Three things to check real quick this morning. Number one, we need to check our motives. Just check our motives. The Bible says this, the purity of the human heart is tested by giving them a little fame. Circle that phrase, little fame there. It's from the message translation of the Bible. He says, 
do you want to find out if people are humble and prideful, whether they're taking credit or whether they're giving the credit to God? Just give them a little success and see what happens. Just give them a little. The key here is for us to turn God's blessings into our source of joy and thankfulness and of serving others instead of the look what I've done type of approach. Here's the little question to keep in front of you, really, in everything you do. Why am I doing what I'm doing? If you can answer that question by something that's pleasing God, you're on a pretty good track. So let's check our motives. Next, let's check our attitudes. I remember around fifth grade, starting to hear my mom use the phrase uh, with me, you better change your attitude, or she would say, don't you have that attitude with me? And I would often respond with something uh, like, you know, I don't have an attitude, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Well, I'm a parent now. I get it. I get it. My son, is, uh, my son is in fifth grade and the other one's in seventh. I use those phrases now. We've got to check our attitudes. Remember, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's what he says in his word. I remember being told long ago this story of this little girl, tiny girl, who was eating one of those huge swirls of cotton candy, you know, that you see at the, at the fair. A man asked her how she was going to eat a, that huge thing, and she said, Mr., I'm a lot bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. <laughs> you know what? If we're not careful, we go through life pretending we are bigger on the outside than we are on the inside. Remember God's word. Our attitude needs to be the same as Christ Jesus. The, e- the how in this is pretty easy. The Bible spells it out pretty clear. He descended into greatness. Remember that. He gave up his position of power. The way to go up is to go down. Finally, check your actions. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants, For Jesus' sake, pride says, serve me. That's what it says every single time. Pride says, serve me. Humility says, serve others. We're not saved by works. That's pretty clear in Scripture. But we're saved for works. We're saved to do God's work and His will. This this, uh, week, Pierce Ministries, which is the recovery ministry led by Trevor and uh, Alice Helliard, they got some devastating news. They had to move out. They've been renovating a house for six months that's designed as a ministry center for men to overcome addiction and to learn what God has to offer their life. A year-long program. And the owner decided to change directions abruptly. And so they had to move out. Devastating news. In an instant, really, the Helliards and Scott Sells, who is their house manager, they were homeless in an instant. Why would a couple put themselves through that type of risk? that type of hardship? Why would they open the doors for something like this to happen in their lives? Simple. Because they're more concerned with making a difference in the lives of others than they were simply in their own lives. That's a pretty powerful testimony on our message on pride. So check your actions because what we do often tells who we really are. Right? What we do. So what's a couple ways we could put this into practice or put practice cards up to keep us from being prideful? There's really a simple statement to put in your head and to remember. Commit to the things God is committed to. Just commit to the things God is committed to. 
This morning, if I were to tell you growing up in your house and ask you, what were the things your mom and dad were committed to? Almost every single one of you could answer what those things were. They might be different for all of us. Why can we answer that? Because you spent time with them every single day to see those type of things. It's the same way with God, to spend time with him, to see what are the things he's committed to, and then commit to those type of things. We've tried to put it in practical terms here at Wendover Hills, and we've talked about the journey. The journey is simply something we want to see every regular attender at Wendover Hills to be processing through, because these are practical ways that we can be committed to what God is committed to. Six words, six statements. The first is worship. Everyone in worship every week. We feel so strongly about what being in God's house does in our life every single week that we push it. We talk about how important it is for us to be in God's house. It's not coming just from us, the 58 passages in the Bible that steer us to being in God's house in the fellowship of believers. Second one is God's word. Everyone in God's word every day. Simply meaning we want people to be in God's word, daily devotion, spending time reading. We've used the phrase around here several times, feed yourself every day being in God's word. The third is small groups. Every, everyone in small group every week. Now, we have some small groups that don't meet every week. Uh, but the point being here is that we are connected with a small group of believers, a group that we can share our hearts and we can interact with Scripture about service, everyone in service in their church or in their community. Now, notice here, we might look a little different than some churches. We don't think that the only service opportunities in your life are right here within the doors of this church. You're community is filled with opportunities to serve people. So get out and serve. Now that doesn't mean we don't have needs here. I'll tell you straight out, we have great needs for some of you to step up and serve in our kids ministry program. In fact, Wendover Hills has been growing in the last 10 months. We have been growing about 40 to 50 people. We've grown. But from a percentage basis, the highest number of growth from a percentage basis is in our kids ministry program. And they're allotted some of the smallest space here. It means we need more workers. We need to be able to do more things. We would love for you to commit to that. In fact, you could take that card I talked about earlier and just write children's ministry, and we would connect with you about what it's like to serve. Giving. Everyone giving their tithes and their offering. It means together we're committed to the biblical principles of giving. The 10% of our tithe and the giving when the Lord moves our heart. They're two separate things. You know, often we say things uh, in the church world when Maybe finances aren't as good, or, or the Lord's presented a challenge financially. We say, well, God can provide a way. And we believe that 100%. But God has provided a way already in his teaching, in his word, and that we would be faithful to the way he's called us to give, to giving of the, the first tenth of every dollar, and to giving every time the Lord moves our heart. The Bible tells us to, to, to give to the, the church first in our tithe, and then give as the Lord moves our heart. Many of you I know are Caleb listeners. In the last two weeks, you worked through the, the pledge drive. Some of you say you endured the pledge drive. Um, but you know what? The Lord moves our heart in that area, my wife and I. And so we give to Caleb because of that, the two ways of giving, the tithe and the, and the offerings. And finally, inviting. Everyone inviting a friend every month. And that means that we are just actively out there saying, this is what God has done for me. And this is the family of believers I've connected to. I want you to come along and be a part of it. Every single one of us. We don't even have to go through a, a, a teaching course on it. We know how to invite. We do it 
in so many areas of our life. And we're saying, here, let's do this here. So these are just simple ways for us to take the focus off ourselves and onto the things that God is committed to. I believe so passionately that this church can make such an impact and difference in our community and in the triad area if we're committed to the things that God's committed to. And as we commit to those things, pride will be shoved aside because the two can't really coexist. So how do we overcome pride this morning? Well, you've heard it. Draw close to God in this. Commit to the things he's committed to. I really believe we can do this. And we can make an eternal difference in the lives of our friends and our family members. And you know what? In our own lives as well, letting God transform us. Are you with me on that? No? Good, good. Let me say a prayer for you and, and just offer a word up. I know for some of you, there's still, you're still living in devastating times. You're still living in times where every day you battle and battle against things. And so this morning, our desire is not to offer a little cliche fix but to go before God and let you really surrender before him. So as I'm praying, you know what? God can hear all our voices at once. So if you want to spend time just, just bowing your head and going quietly before God, please do and speak to him. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for who you are and what you offer our life. Thank you that the, the example, the eternal and extreme example of humility and serving others is you. And we're the recipients of it. We're the recipients of your humility and your service, and we thank you for it. Lord, I know that there might be somebody sitting here this morning that doesn't know you as their Savior, that's never said yes to you, never surrendered their life. This morning, if you're that person, all you have to simply do is say, Lord, I have lived a life of pride, not living for you. I've sinned. Lord, forgive me of that life. Come into my life and be the Lord of my life. You can say those simple words honestly and faithfully to God. And if you say those words in an instant, you are his child. Lord, hear those prayers of those that might be praying that this morning. For the rest of you, Lord, and I, I know that there might be some just difficulties, adversity that you're struggling and battling through. And maybe even God has revealed a level of pride this morning and how you've dealt with those things. Just surrender it before him. Our prayer as it is every week is that we would not walk out of here the same, but we would walk out of here having been inspired and encouraged by you, God, to be different. And then you give us your strength to do it. If that's you this morning, just surrender it before God. Just say, God, I've been prideful. God, I have lived in a self-serving way, and I want to live in a God-honoring way. Just say those words. He'll honor it. If your heart is right before him, he'll receive it, and he will be pleased. Lord, hear those words, hear those prayers that go up. And now, Lord, into our weeks as we go, Lord, just bless them, honor them. And we just pray, Lord, that we would be obedient servants of you in your son's name. Amen. Well, as we finish off this morning, uh, the the ushers are going to come and receive of our morning offerings. We're going to sing one more song, so sing loud and, and clear and have a good time with it. Um, but if you need this week, if you're just saying, you know, man, I, I just, the Lord's hit me in a certain way and I just need somebody to chat with or talk with, would you let me know? I'd love to spend time uh, with you this week. That would be great. Maybe you just feel like, hey, you know, just an email to you would be okay. Great. Just send it along. I'd love to interact with you on that. All right. Lord bless.